When you think about stepmothers, what comes to mind? For me, it's that heartless woman whose idea of a family outing was to take Hansel and Gretel to the woods and abandon them. Twice. Then there's the callous and opportunistic bitch who took Cinderella's dad for all he was worth and treated the girl like a slave in her own home. Oh, and let's not forget that ultimate charming stepmom, so narcissistic and jealous of Snow White, she ordered a hit on the girl. Cut out her heart and bring it to me in this box! Jeez, no wonder we grow up with such fear and loathing for women who marry men with children. But with 43% of first marriages ending in divorce and so many subsequent remarriages, the likelihood that a child will have a real stepmother is relatively high. So what's really inside the hearts and minds of stepmoms? Are they as powerful and conniving as we've been led to believe? And if so, then why are they blamed for so much that goes wrong in their families and given so little credit for their sincere efforts to be a positive force in the lives of their husbands and stepchildren? I'm Annie Fox, and this is Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. Today's show, What's Up with Stepmothers? My guest today is Wednesday Martin, author of Step Monster, a new look at why stepmothers think, feel, and act the way we do. Wednesday Martin has worked as a writer and social researcher in New York City for almost two decades. She was a regular contributor to New York Post's Parenting and Lifestyle pages, and her work has appeared in a number of national magazines, including Cosmopolitan, Glamour, and Fitness. Wednesday was also a features editor at Woman's World. A stepmother for nine years, Wednesday lives in New York City with her husband and their two sons. Welcome, Wednesday. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, and I'm really delighted that you're here. I think that the whole topic of stepmothering is one that, as we move forward in time, becomes a more common family situation. And I'm really delighted that you wrote this book. It's not something that I was well-versed in, except the fairy tale stuff, which you talk about <laughs> a bit. But but the psychology behind stepmothering and the cultural bias against it, I found extraordinarily fascinating. So as we start off on our conversation, I know from reading the book, which was, you know, quasi autobiographical, that your motivation for writing Step Monster was based on your own experience marrying a man with children. And I'd like to start off have you telling us a little bit about that. I'd be happy to, um, not only because it's close to my heart because it was my own experience, but because it turned out years later when I started to research it, that my personal experience was very common and really probably pretty instructive for other women who become stepmothers. I married my husband almost 10 years ago, and he had two adolescent daughters at the time. And like many, many women who become stepmothers or stepmother figures, I just thought that it would 
not be too hard. I thought all those bad stories don't apply to me. Um, you know, my husband's to be and I love each other so much. And I have such a great relationship with the other kids and teenage girls in my life uh, that that should be enough. And we should be able to navigate these waters without the problems that people have warned me about. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It was very humbling um, to start encountering some of the complexities and the difficulties of stepfamily life and to feel uh, what many stepmothers feel and what I felt, to feel isolated. And mostly, here's the real killer for stepmothers, feeling to blame, Mm -hmm. feeling responsible. Uh, This is usually what happens to a woman with stepchildren, a woman living with or marrying uh, a man with kids from a previous relationship. She feels alone in her problems and she feels responsible because really... I was just going to say, so somehow you felt that you weren't doing it right? That you weren't... um Absolutely. I think a lot of stepmothers feel they've internalized this cultural notion, and it's very pervasive in our culture. In our society, we're very attached to this idea that if things aren't going well in the step family, it is because of stepmom. Mm-hmm. And I heard this over and over in the course of my research. Well, if she'd be nice to those kids, they would just warm right up to her. Mm-hmm. If there's a problem, it must be that she's not trying hard enough. Just keep giving and you'll get back what you give. Well, as it turns out, this is all some pretty terrible advice. <laughs> uh, step, yeah, stepkids uh, don't like getting stepmothers. We know from the research that they are more hostile toward a stepmother than they are toward a stepfather. And we know that they're hostile for longer. The resentment at getting a stepmother is not just more intense, it's more sustained. We know also that if a stepmother just keeps giving and trying and loving and acting loving, uh, it's a recipe probably for her to feel resentment. And it's also a recipe for the kids if they feel in a loyalty bind and they feel that liking stepmom is a betrayal of mom, it will be a recipe for them not to give back what they're getting from stepmom, uh, but to withhold and to resent her even more. So a lot of the truisms out there about stepmothering couldn't be more false or more unhelpful to the women who are really struggling to make this role work. And what we really need to do is get the facts and the research out there so that, you know, we're supporting these stepmothers. Because right now, we know quite a bit about stepfather families, and we know quite a bit about how remarriage with kids affects the kids. What we know less about is how it affects the woman with stepchildren and how we can support her so that these families can make it. Now, that's all really interesting to me when I think about the good advice, quote unquote, that's out there, just keep giving and they'll warm right up to you. I think that's what we've heard a lot. And and of course, if you do your best in that area and all you get is resentment or worse, then, you know, what does that do to your self-esteem? I also find it very interesting when you talk about your expectations going into your marriage based on your relationship with young people prior to that. And I'm wondering, during the dating process, obviously, you met your stepdaughters-to-be before you married your husband. What kind of relationship was going on? Could you see any warning signs? Or did things just (laughs) change after the I do's? 
Well, th these are all great questions, and we have to get to the self-esteem issue that you flagged, which is really important. But to answer your question about dating and marriage, again, Annie, my situation is really typical. Uh, during the dating period, I was probably, you know, if you ask my stepdaughters, they would probably say that during that period, they thought of me as somebody interesting and fun and extra grown up in their lives. But as things got more serious um, and as it became clear that I was going to be more a part of their father's life and a real presence in their lives, quite naturally, the tone shifted and their feelings shifted as they tried to process what was going to be this very big change for them. And also, in most situations, what happens, what most women who become stepmothers experience is that if the children's mother has any ambivalence about the remarriage or the repartnership or any bad feelings about it, this is going to make it even harder uh, for the kids, which in turn makes it harder for the couple and for the woman with stepchildren who is overwhelmingly likely, as I said before, to blame herself for difficulty. I can definitely see that influence that potentially negative influence coming from the mom and the, the biological mom and what, how that can play and wreak havoc on the kids and their feelings as if they might want to like and be drawn to this cool new adult in their lives. I would think especially someone who has experience with teens, someone who is open to having a positive relationship with them. Right. And yet that pull of loyalty towards mom, if mom, for whatever reason, feels threatened mm -hmm. by the new wife, um, you know, if there's a shared custody thing and both parents are at odds with the way kids are being raised, um, I can imagine it just being a huge battlefield where the kids are kind of, they're, they're cannon fodder in a way. Yes, you're absolutely right, Annie, that the the mom in the picture really has a great deal of influence. She has a great deal of power. You know, we think of stepmothers as these wicked, powerful, evil excluders when we think of fairy tales about them. And the research shows something very different. The research shows that actually the stepmother is the least powerful person in the stepfamily system. Uh, she's the most vulnerable to things like burnout, anxiety, clinical depression. And she also has the least power in determining how relationships will go with her own stepchildren. Her husband and her husband's ex really play a much greater role in determining how the stepmom-stepkid relationship will unfold than the stepmother herself. Well, it's just really important, as, as you mentioned so brilliantly in your book, that the husband is key to this. Husband is so key, Annie. That couple dyad couldn't be more important. A remarriage with children is vulnerable in many ways that a marriage with children is not vulnerable. And I go into that in a lot of detail in my book, but I think it just makes sense to people at a common sense level that remarriages with children are vulnerable. And we know the rate of divorce in a remarriage with children is up to 72% wow. as opposed to a first marriage, which is about 43% according to the most recent census. So, Yes, absolutely. That couple relationship is very important. And 
dad has this huge role to play. What dad is doing basically is setting the boundaries and setting the tone in the household and making it clear to the kids of any age. And Annie, this can be if the kids are 50 years old. Dad is really the only one who can communicate to them. You understand she's here for good, right? You understand that... I love her. (laughs) Yeah, you understand that I love her and she's important to me. And also, you understand that if you want to be here... It means that I will always love you. You will always be my child. But it means that there have been and will be these changes. And to be around me means being decent to Susan. At the very least. And you know what? I At was the very least. I was feeling infuriated as I was reading the anecdotal interviews you did with women during your research as they were describing the passivity of their husbands in these roles where, it, where yeah. they were kind of, you know, they'd say, you know, you're... Your son comes into the room, I'm here, and he doesn't even acknowledge me. And and you have said nothing. Right. Or there's the out-and-out out rudeness, and the wife is talking to her husband, and what she gets in return is, oh, don't take it so seriously. He's just That's a teen. Right. That's right. Yeah, it, do, it does make, I mean, these women have have reported to me that they also wanted to scream. Um, and, and I think that what's really common, you know, you might know somebody who's a stepmother, and she might not share this with you, but one of the things that I realized talking to other women with stepkids was that this Frustration from feeling unsupported by one's husband uh, was one of the single most reliable predictors of the marriage dissolving. I'm not surprised. Uh, yes, <laughs> and what happens is, and you know, as you know, I have a chapter in my book about these dads who divorce and remarry, and what the passivity is really about, and where it comes from, and it's almost always coming out of a sense of fear. These guys are afraid that they've already traumatized their kids with this divorce, whether dad instigated the divorce or not, and they're also afraid that if they say no or draw the line, uh, they won't see their children mm-hmm. of any age, whether their kids are 10 or 35, they won't see them as much anymore if they draw the line. So so what happens to stepmom is she's sort of uh, hung out to dry in the process, and she does often sort of, uh, women describe themselves to me as twisting in the winds and feeling unsupported, and they often said, you know, my husband just kind of leaves me hanging. So that was a dynamic that women described a lot, and then I have to say I was very happy also to hear the stories from women who talked about how they were able to get beyond this and how they were able to work together to form a team with their husbands so that they didn't have uh, this terrible feeling of being unsupported when it came to his kids. It takes time and a lot of work, but it can happen. I think it all starts with communication. You know, women who are in these situations and when they talk personally and honestly with their husbands, if they're getting in a response that is, well, you know, don't make such a big deal about it, which is in fact Mm. invalidating the feelings that the woman has and what she's experiencing, then her likelihood of speaking up again is lowered because she's not getting any response. And, And that's right. I think that, you know, for the dads who have remarried, who are listening to this, the notion that you can be contributing positively to the health and well-being of your step family versus contributing to the instability of your marriage and your step family is is so important. It is. If you're going to give a message to the dads out there 
about ways that they can absolutely contribute to easing the tension in the step family, what would you say? I would say that there are several things that the couple can do together and that divorced and remarried dad or husband or partner can do himself. First of all, what's going to help everybody is to let go of the blended family myth. I don't care if his kids from his previous marriage or partnership are three or 37. This is not a first family. And in spite of all the ignorance and bias out there uh, telling people, oh, you don't count if you don't look, feel, and act like a first family. In spite of all that bias out there, step families, uh, couples are going to feel so much better when they accept, you know what? Uh, we're not a first family. We're a step family, and that's not worse. It's just different because, mm-hmm. as you know from my book, there's a whole body of research uh, about why we shouldn't expect step families to act and feel like first families. First of all, step families are usually comprised of two linked households, not one. Second of all, in step families, there's a, either a dead or a divorced parent. Um, third of all, step families bond differently than first families. First families bond as a group. Step families bond dyadically, one-on-one. Fourth, step families uh, tend to be not as cohesive and close as a first family for all the obvious reasons. They didn't all come up together. Fifth, in step families, there tends to be this uh, phenomenon that we call step family architecture in which a person tends to become the stuck outsider, and that's the step parent. Now, at the risk of sounding like I'm going on and on, I just want to quickly say, I just listed off the top of my head five very real very big qualitative differences between first families and step families. They're really obvious, huge differences. Mm -hmm. Let's take the pressure off step families. Let's stop acting like they're supposed to be the Brady Bunch. Um, (laughs) they're, They're not going to be. As soon as dad can let go of that fantasy, he's going to make life so much easier for her, for his kids, for his wife or partner and for himself. I think that's so important. Take that pressure, take that blended family myth pressure off everyone. Second thing, dads out there, if you feel guilty about putting your marriage first and prioritizing it and giving it attention because it's a particularly vulnerable form of marriage, if you're feeling bad about that, it's time to rethink that feeling and it's time to talk to a professional who can help you Give your marriage the priority or your partnership the priority that it deserves so that you and your partner have a fighting chance to have a satisfying couple relationship and a satisfying relationship with your kids. I would say that so much of what you've just talked about ought to be discussed by the couple prior to marriage. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, I know we all fall in love and we get really blinded and we and like you, of course I can make yeah. this work. I've, I'm great with kids. <laughs> you know what, Annie? Some people, you know, you know this as the professional that you are. You, you deal with parenting issues and, and relationship issues all the time. And you know that all these people are very different. Some people are going to do really well with a lot of information at the beginning. 
Some people, like me, uh, are going to read the information at the beginning and go, poof, that doesn't apply to doesn't me. Apply. I'm not going to have these problems. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a whole range here. Uh, there are people, there are women who will be terrified uh, by my book if they read it before they marry a man <laughs> with kids. <laughs> and there will be other women who feel really buoyed by it and, and really a renewed sense of confidence that, hey, we're having these problems, but we're normal. So here's what's really typical. Yes, it would be ideal if you could sit down and have these conversations before you get married. But listen, if you find yourself in a position where that hasn't happened, and like me, you just stumbled into this thing blind because you're in love with this guy, and now suddenly here you are in the midst of what feels like an insuperable uh, quagmire of problems, know that you're not alone. Most of us, as smart as we are, stumble into this and find ourselves having problems. The next step is that we start to blame ourselves. That's the step that I want us to X out. But certainly, you know, women cannot feel bad that they find themselves in a position where they've married a man with kids and they can't sit there and pound their heads against the wall and say, oh my goodness, we should have seen this coming. We should have done X and Y and Z. It's not too late to do X and Y and Z. It can be done. That's very encouraging. And, you know, as you're talking about what might scare people away from these relationships versus, mm-hmm. well, you know, I I just stumbled in. Now what do I do? I think it's, it's really <laughs> important for, for both groups to just have their eyes open no matter where they are in the process. It can't hurt. And like you say, some people will say, that doesn't apply to me. I don't need this information. Interesting, but you know, I'm not going to have that problem. Or, oh my God, it's 10 years in and I sure wish I had had this information but now that I have it, it feels like I can release some of this guilt that I've been carrying around because I really did think it was all my fault. Absolutely, because let's think, Annie, about what women who become stepmothers are really up against. They're not just up against the quite normal uh, and predictable, but still really hurtful resistance and resentment that kids feel about getting a stepmother. Stepmothers are up against additional things. Society, as we touched on briefly, has very high expectations of women. They're supposed to be blenders. They're supposed to be maternal. They're supposed to act like primary parents. And then women internalize these expectations. So that's, you know, an an additional challenge. Then there's the judgment. Uh, There's the judgment of people that we touched on briefly, also people on the outside. And I was one of these judgmental people. Mm -hmm. I was one of the people saying, if I became a stepmother, I wouldn't have problems like that. They'd love me. They would totally love me. (laughs) Exactly. I was one of these people saying, oh, I I wouldn't have those problems. I'm nice. I like kids. Well, hold on a second. Let me ask you about, about your relationship coming into this marriage with your stepdaughters. And what were they throwing at you? And what different kinds of responses did you have to the feelings that you were experiencing? Well, certainly what helps is knowing that my responses were real, are really tip, that, that I had were typical, but I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. So really typical things would happen. First of all, in the beginning, as I said, like in most cases, it was very fun. It was very fun for me that my, husband's had, my husband had daughters, and I think it was fun uh, for his daughters, you know, that there was this new... Uh, person who wanted to get to know them and spend time with them. And, you know, I actually studied teen girls uh, for my work at the time in advertising. So I kind of could connect with them at the level of popular culture. And 
we, we, there were some really fun times getting to know each other. Uh, but there were also stressful times. Um, you know, I was a single woman. I wasn't used to being around kids a lot. And uh, although I studied teenage girls, I'd never lived, lived with, with them. them. <laughs> and uh, wow, that was an education. And, um, you know, these girls were used to, like most children of divorce, these girls were really used to having daddy's attention when they were mm. with him. And I wasn't the first serious girlfriend, you know, um, in the six years after his divorce. So that kind of made things easier. Um, but still, children become tremendously close to their parents after a divorce in, in most cases. Think about it. Dad's seeing them one-on-one and dealing with them one-on-one rather than, you know, dad is part of this couple dealing with them. So there's this intense closeness. So my stepdaughters, understandably, uh, felt very threatened the closer I got to my now husband and the, then when we were engaged suddenly this was very serious and when we got married suddenly there was no going back and talk about no going back uh, once I was pregnant and then had a child uh, these were all uh, things that my stepdaughters had to negotiate and believe me we went through all the normal um, resentments and, and insecurities you know on their part and on my part we we were textbook we, we had it all can you give us a specific um, oh, blog? Oh, uh, yeah, I, sure, absolutely. I, I remember when I was, well, I'll go through a little bit chronologically. I remember uh, when my husband and I, like a lot of couples uh, who get together in a remarriage with children, we decided to redecorate. I moved in with him, which is very typical you know, when the woman doesn't bring kids of her own to the remarriage. So I moved in with him uh, because his kids were used to this place where he lived and it was bigger and he was more successful than I was. And uh, in order to reset the balance a little, we decided to do some redecorating so that I felt more at home. Mm -hmm. And that really didn't go over well with my stepdaughters. (laughs) And in retrospect, uh, every stepmother I interviewed almost had a story like this. Well, wait a minute. Were you trying to redecorate their rooms? Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) I didn't think so. (laughs) <laughs> no, just, you know, trying to trying to add a few throw pillows. Uh, but you would be amazed how threatening that can feel uh, to a kid who has had dad to herself or himself, and this has been his or her space with dad. So what happened was, you know, any new light fixture that went in, a, a lamp that went up, like I said, a throw pillow, a, a, a different paint color, that really was symbolic of much deeper, uh, more threatening to them changes in the household. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would hear things that all stepmothers hear. I I hate that lamp. I I hate what you did to the bedroom. Hmm. I like my mom's drapes better. How was your response to those comments? Uh, Well, I was annoyed. Did you tell them you were annoyed? I was annoyed and resentful, and like most women with stepchildren, I just took it to my husband, and I said, it's very hard for me to be the new person here and to feel like the outsider and to feel so much resistance Mm -hmm. and resentment um, to even these little changes, and I'm frustrated. And my husband, to his great credit, uh, you know, we started couples therapy really when, when our dating became serious, and... To my husband's great credit, uh, sometimes he would really not like what was coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. He would, you know, it would really make him feel hurt and, and um, you know, he would be afraid that uh, I was not being fair to his daughters. And But to his credit... Uh, My husband, most of the time, really trusted my judgment and trusted most of the time that if something was bothering me, uh, it wasn't because I was blowing it out of proportion or I was a witch or a step monster. If something 
was bothering me, uh, it's because it was something hurtful or difficult. Uh, so for, for a partner or a husband to take that leap of faith and to understand that his children aren't always perfect and that children who are becoming stepchildren are under tremendous stress, mm-hmm. but so are wives who are becoming stepmothers. Uh, and to be able to balance that, it, it's a big challenge. And, and I certainly had days... You know, no one could ever accuse me, Annie, of holding back. <laughs> so you t- you told your stepdaughters how you felt when those rude comments and attitude came? Mostly, instead of telling them, I had internalized this idea that they're children and I'm never mm-hmm. allowed to say anything negative to them, so I'm going to take it to my husband. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend that if a woman feels hurt by something her stepkids say, depending on the age of the stepkids, it might be really appropriate to say, um, hold on a second, that, that hurts my feelings and, and you sound very angry. Right. Uh, do, do you want to talk about this? And that could really open up a new phase of their relationship that, that could be helpful and interesting. I could imagine the, o- the that. Other, the other way some women go is they say, these are kids, I'm not going to get into it with them, I'm going to go to their dad, and my husband and I are going to come up with a way to deal with my feelings of frustration and my feelings of being shut out together as a couple. And to be on the same page together as, as a couple, as, as a team, as a united front. As a united front, which, by the way, is really hard for many men who divorce and remarry to get there. And we just really have to give it up for the guys who, who manage it because it's a tremendous amount of work and they feel like they're betraying their children. And, you know, they just have to have a mantra, which is, I deserve a healthy relationship. My wife or partner deserves a healthy relationship. And my kids deserve to see that a marriage or a lifetime partnership can last. So that can be a mantra that can help them get to that point where they're able to form a strong, airtight team with their wife or partner. I think that's really important. You know, as an empty nester myself and and (laughs) still married to the same wonderful person for 35 years, I can tell you that even in first families, kids grow up and they leave. And they go on with their lives, which is exactly what you want. And if you have been at odds or have been repressing all kinds of feelings and communications from your partner during the time that your stepchildren have been growing up, I I can't imagine that you have a very solid foundation for a relationship when they're gone. Absolutely. And Annie, that is one of the big misapprehensions about uh, both parenting and particularly about step parenting. And I'm so glad you brought it up. What stepmothers hear a lot is, well, as soon as they leave the house, you're done. Oh, don't worry. She's almost 18. She'll be out of your hair. Oh, it must be nice that uh, your stepkids are, have moved on and have relationships or kids of their own. That must be a big relief for you. Uh, What you find as you look at the research and as you track women through these different life stages, and what I was surprised to find is that there were plenty of women who were stepmothers. They were in their 60s or 70s. They had stepchildren who were in their 30s and 40s. And they, they looked at me like I was crazy and they said, are you kidding? There's a whole new set of challenges when you get to these different life stages with your step kids and with yourself. A lot of women describe to me, for example, having grandchildren and step-grandchildren and feeling really depleted um, and and needing to not being able to give their energy to everyone, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, other women describe to me, um, you know, having stepchildren who were in their 30s, even in their 40s, who were still emotionally and financially dependent on their fathers. And this 
uh, being very stressful for the stepmother who wanted to see them uh, grow up and individuate and step out and become independent. So um, a lot of times there is this big misapprehension that when they're 18, it's over. And what we know from the research uh, is that stepmothering goes on and on. And you really do, as you pointed out, Annie, need that strong couple foundation to be able to deal with the challenges that keep coming up when when your stepkids are in their 20s and 30s and 40s and even beyond. So how would you describe your relationship with your stepdaughters now? I know that you have two children of your own. Mm-hmm. And... I'd be very interested to hear you first describe your relationship with your stepdaughters now and their relationship with their half-siblings. Happy to. And I'm one of those stories uh, that I'm happy to share my story and to get it out there so that women don't always feel discouraged. I want women to feel Uh, that they have a command of the facts and a realistic sense that this will be difficult at times and maybe intermittently, you know, for years at a time. But it's not always difficult and there can be really nice developments. So, you know, when you come into the lives of stepchildren when they're adolescents, that's really the hardest situation. And that's what I stepped into. I had, as I said, teenage stepdaughters. And that that's one of those situations where the odds are really not in the couple's favor that the marriage or the partnership will last. Happily for me, 10 years later, I find my stepdaughters to be really interesting young women. And I often say to my husband and to them, wow, you, you know, these girls really have it, all, young women, really have it together in ways that I didn't at their age. I have a lot to talk to them about many times. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in what they're doing. Uh, we're getting to a point where they're at an age where the relationship can feel more reciprocal. Mm-hmm. And and they're more and more stepping up to the plate and acting like young adults uh, rather than, you know, teenagers who are developmentally supposed to be self-centered. Uh, so I find the relationship uh, for me over time got a lot more gratifying. And why did that happen? Not just because of the shifts in my stepdaughter's development, but also because of my relationship with my husband uh, getting stronger and more secure and us working on it, that made me feel less threatened by his close relationship with his daughters. That made them uh, seem less threatening to me and like people I wanted to get to know rather than people who were just going to reject me and I was never going to be close to them. And the other big change that occurred, as you pointed out, is that like so many couples, my my husband and I, um, after his remarriage, to me, had children. Uh, our first child we had in typical step family fashion rather quickly. Most step couples tend to have a mutual child within 18 months of their marriage. And really? yeah, we were typical in that regard. And my first pregnancy, I think that my stepdaughters would tell you, was quite difficult for them. They were, you know, maybe. Uh, 13 and 16 at the time or 12 and and 16 or 15. It was really hard. Um, Dad had not just gotten remarried, but now this baby was coming. Now, my book, as you know, is about remarriage with children from the wife's point of view. And my point of view uh, when I became pregnant and my stepdaughters were so upset was, you know, I was very disappointed. And I was uh, resentful. You were disappointed in their reaction. Exactly. Uh, You know, and and I was resentful. I understood that it was threatening to them, but I'm a human being too. And I was resentful that this, one of the happiest developments in my life uh, was being marred by their bad mood about it and 
their unhappiness about it. Yeah, I, I imagine that would be very disappointing. So how, how did you as an individual deal with it with them? And how did you as a couple deal with it? Really, as a couple, again, to my husband's credit, he was able to... He's coming off awfully good in this interview. He is, isn't he? I better start saying some bad stuff. Let me try to remember the bad stuff. I'm an optimist. I kind of remember the good stuff. But I just remember saying to him, um, God, it is so hard that that this is all about them. Hmm. I'm pregnant. I want the pregnancy to be about us having a baby. And I'm having a hard time sharing this with teen girls who need everything to be about them. And, you know, wow. Now, that's a very hard thing to hear as the father of the teen no, girl. No, but it's so true. And in fact, what you just said reminded me of something else in your book about someone who was getting married and the stepdaughter was wailing and moaning during the ceremony about how unhappy and, all, and, and drew all of the attention away from the bride. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't you, was it? I- I'm laughing, but I wouldn't be laughing now if it had been me, probably. And by the way, Several women told me that story. and That is awful. And several adult stepchildren that, that I like a lot and I think they're wonderful people told me. I cried all the way through my dad's wedding to my stepmom. I got to say, I, as someone who is a parent educator, if I had been one of those dads at that wedding, I would have taken, I'm assuming it was daughter, not son, <laughs> smart and taken her aside and said, you got to get with the program here. If you can't keep it together, then excuse yourself until you can, because this is inappropriate. Well, you would be a dream of a husband to a woman <laughs> with stepchildren. And, and I hope, I, you know, so many men feel way too guilty to do that. And my husband would sometimes feel guilty and terrible when I, you know, it's normal. It's normal to resent that your pregnancy gets overshadowed by his kids freaking out about it. And if you don't express that you're resentful of it to someone, whether it's your friend or other stepmothers on a website or your partner, once you're able to calm down and say it in a way that he can hear it, if you don't do that, that resentment is going to flower into the Lord only knows what, and you're going to take it out on his kids, and then your marriage right. is going to be nowhere. So again, many dads have a, who divorce and remarry have a hard time hearing the stepmother talk about what hurts her as anything other than criticism of his children. His but when he can step back and hear you as a partner and say, I need to have partner ears as much as I need to have parent ears. That's just oh, as good. an important part of my life. When he can do that, that means that your relationship with him is going to be stronger. You do have to say it in a way that he can hear it. And believe me, I wasn't always good at it. Um, but there are tips in my book about how to say it so he can hear it. Yes. And once, once the couple gets there, there's no stopping them. There's no holding the couple back once they get to that point together. Okay, so you say that when you were 18 months into your marriage and you and your husband got pregnant and you got this negative reaction from your stepdaughters. Mm-hmm. How was it dealt with? Did it evolve into something more positive? And what is their relationship with your children now? Great. Yes. Thank you for getting me back to that. I was actually pregnant six months after I got married. Okay. I was 35 at the time. So there wasn't a lot of time for dilly dallying and putting it off. Mm-hmm. And this is also very typical in a remarriage with children. As we put off, uh, 
marriage in general in our culture. You know, we're marrying at later ages and we're needing to get pregnant sooner if we want to do it. So we were part of that trend. Yes, at first, tremendously threatening to my stepdaughters, very upsetting for them and and a stressful time for all of us. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it was all roses. Even when my son came, uh, there was jealousy and the girls probably quite normally and understandably felt threatened. Uh, but we got better and better at dealing with it. And, and good luck to anybody disliking uh, a newborn and a baby. <laughs> uh, you know, over millennia, they have evolved all kinds of strategies to elicit love and care from people. And and they do it. And, and my son did so. And, you know, it was a great thing to be able for me to see my stepdaughters as sisters. It was really lovely for me to watch my son develop a relationship with them, to have, as he got older, you know, little jokes with them, little rituals, things they did together. Uh, You know, we're not a first family, so they're not together all the time. My stepdaughters are older, so they don't see, they now have two younger brothers. They, They don't see each other a lot. My stepdaughters are very appropriately focused on their schooling, their careers, Uh, their boyfriends, their apartments, their peers. But when they do see each other, it's really a wonderful feeling for me as a mom to watch these girls who are older than my boys and who are their sisters build this relationship with them over time. And it hasn't always been easy, but it sure is gratifying to look at it now. That's lovely. And there there you've got this marker in the sand. (laughs) You know, when you're pregnant, (laughs) you knew exactly how they felt about this unborn child. And here you can watch them from in a stepping back kind of position and see them enjoying the relationship here yes. this many years later. It's lovely. It's really lovely. There can be huge shifts. And that's what I would urge anybody listening who's in a step family and feeling discouraged. There can be huge shifts. And the other thing, Annie, and you know this as a realistic parent and as a parenting expert, but for step families especially, and particularly stepmothers, I just think it's so important that we accept that these just might be good enough relationships. These don't have to be perfect relationships. Your relationships with your stepkids don't have to feel like mother-daughter or mother-son relationships, and probably they never will, but they can be good enough relationships. They can even be relationships that are sometimes conflictual and stressful, but that doesn't stop you from having a great marriage, and that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy your stepkids when they're around. It can be good enough versus perfect. That's really well said. Okay, I think we're going to wrap up, and what I'd like to ask you to do is, if you can, let our listeners know where they can get more information about you and perhaps some online resources for step families. I'd be happy to. My website is www.wednesdaymartin.com and on that website, your listeners uh, who go to the website can learn some facts about step family life and read an excerpt from Step Monster and hopefully find some understanding there. I also have a list of resources on my website, including the National Step Family Resource Center. And this is a wonderful organization. It can refer step families to therapists who really know about step family dynamics and who have been trained to help step families and step couples. They can help people find professionals like that in their area. The National Step Family Resource 
Center website offers really smart, insightful articles about step family life, and it also refers people to support groups in their area. So I'm a big fan of the National Step Family Resource Center website. Also, Annie, you're in California. There's a great resource there called the Step Family Center, run by a stepmother and a therapist named Susan Swanson. And even if you don't live in California, the Step Family Center website is full of good, helpful information and articles and refers step family members to websites where they can find help and understanding. So those are some of my favorite resources. Great. Thank you for that. And I will put those links on the blog as I um, describe and promote this podcast. I want to thank you for being here Wednesday. My guest today has been Wednesday Martin, author of Step Monster, a new look at why real stepmothers think, feel, and act the way we do. Thank you so much for writing this book, Wednesday. I think it's just an enormously important resource for so many families out there. And um, thanks for being my guest. Thank you so much for having me, Annie. And I think it's great that you're bringing this issue to your listeners. Thank you for doing that. My pleasure. Thanks. I'm Annie Fox for Family Confidential. For more information about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And tune in next time when my guest, Ayelet Waldman, will discuss her new book, Bad Mother, a chronicle of maternal crimes, minor calamities, and occasional moments of grace. Till then, happy parenting. Happy parenting.